early days of this business that I would do differently. I, I, I think that I would have started getting out and talking to people more. Like I would have made a project earlier because I figured out how to do this like maybe six to eight months in my business. Mm. But if I had made a project of going out and talking to people that I thought would be the best fit clients for me and asking them questions, asking them about what challenges they're experiencing and then going and debriefing with myself afterwards and saying, cool, do I still think that that would be the best person fit client for me? Or did I learn something from this? And having that process, if I had done that earlier, I think I would have gotten started even faster in my uh, results for my business. So Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Ben Easter. And today we're going to be talking with Ben uh, a little bit about a few different things, including uh, having a, a money mindset, what that means, especially um, on for early and mid-stage businesses, um, how you get used to doing sales, which every business, if you're not selling, you're not you're not going to be profitable. And so you always have to get used to that, but it's not always natural. Um, also operating within your uh, zone of genius and uh, navigating the emotions of doing a business. So it should be a, a great discussion. And with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Ben. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So now before we dive into the topics at hand, um, you know, for those of you that uh, haven't uh, had a chance, Ben was on or chance to catch the episode. Ben was on the Inventive Journey, the sister podcast of this one. And I uh, definitely encourage you to go and uh, check out that episode and, uh, and and catch more of his journey. Um, but for those uh, in the audience are saying, hey, I haven't had a chance to do it or I just want that short uh, snippet or overview. Uh, introduce yourself a bit to the audience and let them know who you are. Yeah, so I'm a business mindset coach with Lucid Shift Coaching. We uh, started the company back in 2019. Um, this is my seventh business. I'm also a fellow serial entrepreneur. And uh, what I do is I really help people kind of deal with sort of two areas. One is the strategic pieces of business in understanding like how do we do what things and in what order. And the other is the mindset piece of business, which is like, how do we really think our way through our challenges and issues and kind of find more freedom in our world for, for doing kind of anything that we want to in the world. So that's that's my that's what I I'm up to in the world. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a definitely a, a great introduction. So now, without any further ado, I think you know one of the things that I think would be interesting in the audience, and I certainly always am cognizant of, is you know have or when you're at a particularly, it's always a, a concern of a business, but particularly at early stage and mid stage businesses, is you know how do you deal with money in the sense that you know. Most of the time, first of all, you don't have much money, but you're trying to bootstrap it. You're trying to say, where do I invest the dollars? Do I go out and get an investor? Do I go out and uh, do crowdfunding? Do I keep it all to myself and just self-fund it? Do I take it slower? Do I take it faster? And how do I spend the money? And it, there's just a whole bunch of questions that all come up. And when you're trying to look at that, so what what with that as an uh, introduction to the question, what is a money mindset or kind of how do you go about starting to think about it? Yeah, I think so. I think money mindset is really kind of, it's a useful thing to understand and to grasp. Like 
what how you think about money is a very direct correlation to how money tends to show up in your life. And so uh, when we're talking about in the sense of early stage business, I think, yeah, the funding question is a really important question, but also understanding your relationship to money and what you how you think about money and how it works in the world. Like, where does money come from? A lot of people, I think, tend to think of money as sort of a finite resource that you you either have figured out how to have some storehouse of or um, that you, you know, you're limited in the way that you can come to get it. And I think that changing your relationship to money and, and understanding that money is actually an infinite resource and that um, the more we sort of spend it, the more power it has in the world, it actually doesn't use itself up. That's one, a really cool thing. So like if we have like a unit of energy or something like that or food or whatever, and you consume it and then you use it, well, it kind of gets spent in the using of it. We expend that energy. Money doesn't work that way. If I have $5 and I, you know, buy your hat and then you have $5 and you buy my plant back here or whatever. We've now created $10 in the economy, but we have not used that $5 up. It still exists. One of us still holds it at the end of that transaction. And so I think it's really under, uh, useful to understand money in terms of its effect in a current, in a, in a circle that exists in the economy. And that, um, where money starts to be a trouble for people is when we hold on to it, when we get scared of it, when it becomes um, scarce. And that's when the economy collapses, that sort of thing is when people are like worried about their stockpile of money and aren't spending it, aren't using it out in the economy. And that's when it dries up. So let me now ask one question though, because there is certainly understand that if I were to push back, I don't know, pushback sounds much yeah. more severe than it is. But the question would be is when you're at a, especially in an early stage startup, you know, you're always money is always a concern because you usually don't have a ton of it. In other mm -hmm. words, you know, maybe if you're the have a venture capital angel investor come in and give you millions of dollars, or which, you come from a trust fund or whatever, or comes from a trust fund or whatever, there there are those occasions that it happens. But for most startups and small businesses, you're going to be bootstrapping it, self funding it, maybe having a friends and the family around. So one, you're going to be reticent to spend any most people are going aren't going to spend any more dollars than they have to because they don't want mm -hmm. it to they only have a, a finite runway and the quicker they spend the money the shorter the runway gets and the more amount of time mm -hmm. and even when you get past that and you say okay we're starting to get income we're starting to make some actual profit then the question is, is do you reinvest it or do you save for a rainy day in other words we don't know if the you know six months down the road we're going to hit covid we're all going to shut down and we're going to need a, a few months of uh of savings in order to keep the business afloat or should i reinvest it because my competitors are all going to start it going out there spending more money and if i don't reinvest it i'm going to get left in the dust so how do you balance kind of that those two kind of things that pull you in opposite directions yeah those tensions for sure well i think it's really interesting what you're saying because what uh because we're, we're talking about again this feeling of security that people are having that we either like we feel that the business can keep going even if COVID were to happen or whatever the situation was, right? And so part of that is going to be a different part of mindset, which is like your ability to create because, you know, some companies do well in no matter what economy, right? And and the thing that I think is really useful to recognize is that those, the differences in those businesses, it doesn't have to do with whether or not they have customers. It has to do with the way that they navigate these these situations that that inevitably will happen, right? And do we have a creative mindset or do we have a sort of a fearful mindset? I think what happens in when the economy shut down, like in COVID, it was really interesting what happened in COVID because we had on the one hand, production got closed down. And on the other hand, we had a, a, an artificial increase in the supply of money because of all of the stimulus checks that went out to people, right? And so that creates this really interesting tension on the economy. Um, but what happened is you saw actually what where people thought there was going to be a real problem in the economy, there actually wound up being like 
a, a ton of creation that happened in the economy. A lot of people were spending money that they didn't have before because it kind of came as free money, that sort of thing. Um, so I do want to like just draw the distinction that uh, the way that we're thinking about it is really going to impact no matter what our relationship with the money in our business is. So that said, I think it's really useful to have to get to make a decision around money that is going to help you feel secure and calm. The number one thing I think any business wants to do is figure out revenue. Revenue is not some magical thing that happens that you either luck into it or you find some magic bullet or something like that, or you don't. It is a, a path that every business owner can walk to figure out how do you create reliable revenue in your business. And if you haven't figured that, and you can do that in any economy, by the way. And if you haven't figured that out for your business, then that's where you want to be focusing. And yeah, you, you can invest money, but investing money in that piece first First and foremost, figuring out revenue, I think is going to be the, have the highest ROI, the highest uh, return for your business. Does that does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I think that uh, that makes perfect sense. I think that uh, gives a, a good deal of insight. So now, as we you know, kind of continue on and shifting uh, shifting gears just a little bit, just because always a lot of fun things to talk about. Totally. One of the other, you know, but going along with the money mindset is, I think one of the things you have to get comfortable with if you're ever going to have any money in your business is you have to get comfortable with sales. In other words. But I think that, you know, that's not some people, I think it's inherent. They just like to talk. They are good at convincing people. And there are plenty of other people. If you're to go, I, you know, my background undergraduate was engineering. You go to engineering, you know, an engineering school. Most of the engineers don't have great interpersonal skills. They not really out, you know, they're not really that social and they don't, they wouldn't be good salesmen. And yet if you're going to do a startup or a small business that you are doing any, you know, you're doing it, even as an engineer, you still have to get comfortable with sales or at least to a degree. So how do you go about getting comfortable with sales or getting used to doing that? Oh, I love that. I love this question. And also, by the way, this is like, that's when I'm going back to this thing about whether we save or we invest our money. If you have, if you don't, if you're not like wanting to be a salesperson in your business, that's the hire right there. Find somebody to do that. And whether it's a share of equity or it's a salary or it's what, however you can figure out to enroll that person on your team so that we have this process covered somehow to somebody who goes out and sells is really important. Now, if you want to learn to sell and you just haven't gotten there yet and you're trying to figure it out, the the path for that I would advise, I guess, is, is suggest is first find the value in the thing that you're selling. So get yourself really sold first. I think this is one of the most important things that you can do as an entrepreneur is really become absolutely convinced that there is some subset of humans that if they got a hold of your product or service, their lives would get better, easier, faster, stronger somehow. And if you're not there yet, spend your time getting there first and foremost, because you're going to have such a hard time selling out there, especially if you're the kind of person who is an authentic person, who you feel like it's important for you to be truthful and you know compassionate. You care about other people. You're going to have a really hard time selling to them if you don't believe in the product. So first and foremost, get yourself sold on the product, right? Then after that, understand that a sales journey, like I think we have, a lot of people think of sales as being like a dirty word. You know, uh, you know, it, it draws to mind images of used car salesmen and not like if you're a used car salesman out there, I got nothing against you. But I think that there's a, an association that people have of like convincing, trying to get someone to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do with like sort of psychological manipulation, hard sales style tactics. And I think that while those things can possibly work, that there is a like a light side of the force and a dark side of the 
force, so to speak, in the sails, just like like in Star Wars, right? And the dark side of the force is those like manipulation tactics. The light side of the force is really listening to someone, getting yourself involved in conversations and understanding. And even if you're you're having a sales engine that is like online or something where you're not actually having conversations, start with conversations. Have some conversations with people that you think your product or service would really serve. Listen to them, ask them questions about how they're thinking about the problem that you think that you're solving, helping them solve in the world, right? And then feed that back to them. Listen, if you think that you can solve that, great, we're on a right track. If we, if right now we're not quite there, cool, maybe we need to reevaluate where we think our mark, our our product is positioned. But it, it always, I think, can start with just a conversation between two human beings meeting as equals. And getting really curious about, do you, is there a problem that I can help you solve one way or another, whether that problem be an actual like painful problem or just something that you really want more of in your life. And if that thing is, if we can find a thing that that exists around, right? Well, then we're really kind of answering a few questions. One, it's always, I think this is, this is every sales conversation breaks down into these three components. One is, do I believe as the prospect that the the product that you're selling me, the service or the product that you're selling will solve this problem that I have, okay? Or this thing that I want in the world. Two, mm. do I believe that you as the person providing it or your particular product can solve this problem or this thing that I desire in the world? And then three, do I believe that I as the consumer can use your product or service and get the thing that I want from this interaction, right? And if we're answering those three questions in the affirmative, if, if the prospect believes that, yes, you know, for instance, coaching, yes, coaching works Two, yes, I believe you as a coach can deliver coaching. And three, I believe I, as the, as the coachee, the client can receive coaching and take action on it. And I believe that I, all those three things are together. Now we're just negotiating on price, right? And so that's, that's the way that I like to break down the sales process and to think through it. And I think that can be really helpful for, especially early stage people. No, and I think that is uh, definitely helpful. Now, one uh, kind of follow-up question to the, to your thoughts would be is, you know, the difficulty still, so I agree, you should get out, you should talk with people, you should get that feedback, even if you're not going to be the person that directly interacts with them on a day-to-day -day basis for the sales, or you have, you know, whether it's advertising or other things that mean that you don't have to do a face-to-face -face sale all the time, I still mm -hmm. think getting out there and we can talking with them is beneficial now. You do have, as I'll maybe go back to this earlier comment, is you do have people that are just simply introverts. They don't like to, they don't have very good human skills. Sometimes they take feedback as their personal insult and they don't really, it doesn't go over well when you say, hey, I love your product, but here are the things that aren't, don't work well because then all they hear is, I hate your product and it doesn't yeah. work well. And now you feel like you have to defend it. So how do you kind of move past? So for those people that sometimes are either introverted or otherwise getting uncomfortable you know, getting feedback, how do you kind of overcome that? Or can you overcome that? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first question is, I, I would want to know if you want to overcome it, right? Because again, you don't have to be doing the sales as the owner of the business or the CEO or whatever, it is important for you to figure out how to get this solved in your business. And if you're not going to be the one to do it, there are people out there who will love to do that, right? Um, so I just want to like draw that distinction. But if you do want to be the person to solve it, right? Well, then we can commit to a journey of trying things out and not having it go well. I think what one of the things that you just said was like, you get that feedback and you're like, oh, they, you hate my product or whatever. So don't take it personally. Don't take things personally. Recognize that if you're in a sales conversation and the answer is no, all that happened is we didn't answer one of those questions in the affirmative. We just have not yet figured out a way to answer one of those questions in the affirmative. And so like um, the example that I really like, like to use is, 
learning to walk, everybody falls over when they're learning to walk. That is just the nature of learning to walk. You fall over. In fact, part of that is because you're not strong enough to walk yet. And so when you fall over and you do a squat rep back up, right, you just made yourself a little bit stronger. And that is the way that I like to think of any skill development that we're learning in any business or any, really any skill that we're learning at all is that there's going to be a series of falling overs and that if you're avoiding the falling, you're actually avoiding the learning of the skill because you cannot learn to walk if you don't fall over because you didn't do your squat reps, then you won't have gotten stronger. And so if you're, if you're having these sales conversations and you're out there and you're doing it, and then you're going and you're saying, why do I think that that didn't work? What do I think that I miss? And maybe you use this framework that I just shared with you, you know, is, does the product, do I believe in the product? Do I believe in you as the product provider? And do I believe in myself as the product receiver, right? You can use that as a framework if you want. Go back through and say, cool, which one of those do I think didn't happen if this person said no, right? And then how might I, what do I think I could do next time? And if you're willing to do that, to play that game with yourself, rather than like make a judgment about yourself that you're either good or you're bad at sales and instead say, well, how can I get better at sales? Then I think that's how you can get through things like that. If you're willing to, you know, if you're willing to get in there, but you have to have that willingness to be playing the game. <laughs> and if you're not, just go find somebody else to do it because you'll be fighting yourself forever. <laughs> No, that, make, that makes perfect sense. Now, kind of almost go, or continue on with the conversation. One of the other things that we talked a bit before is operating within your zone of genius. And that one's kind of follows up because on the one sense, I think early on to a degree, if you're doing a startup or small business, you have to be a jack of all trades and may, probably a master of none, right? In other words, you have to mm -hmm. figure things out well enough to get the business up and going such that it can start making revenue. And then as you get a more sophisticated business, as you get more mature, you get revenue and those type of things, then you can start to bifurcate out what are those different areas of, hey, what am I best at? What is somebody else best out? And let's have everybody work within there. So how do you kind of, what is the time frame or, or how do you figure out when you should start operating in your zone of genius and how do you figure out what your zone of genius is? I love it. And I love this question. And I love how these all are kind of tying together in this conversation as well, because solve revenue, 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 first and foremost, revenue is the lifeblood of your business. Figure that out. Okay. And figure it out. However the heck you can figure it out. Okay. And if that means giving away a piece of the business, if you, if you don't have the funding, go find a partner, right? To do this with you or go find some funding somewhere, right? And if you're not the person to do that, we're, we're going to build a, start building a team earlier, right? Now, if you are able to play that jack of all trades role in the beginning and you, you are committed to kind of figuring it out and trying and know that that's going to take you a little bit longer than finding somebody who's already effective at it, right? But yeah, play that thing, solve revenue. As soon as you start seeing consistent revenue come into your business, now we can start to step back and say, okay, cool. Where am I being bottlenecked? Where am I spending the most time to get the least results? What are the most important things for me to be doing in the business that I don't really believe somebody else, at least not right away, can come in and do those things for my business? And then those will be the things that we can start to outsource, enroll, we can get other people onto the team to help us do those things. So what are the things that are my most important? Start with that question. What are the three to five things that my business doesn't exist if I don't do those things, right? And then for all the other things, now we'll start at the other side of the scale. What are the things that I least like doing, the things that take me the longest to do, the things that wind up having the most rework happen or the most problems existing? Cool. Can we find somebody else who loves to do those things and get somebody just to do those things, not a role necessarily at first, but just to think, okay, there's this list of deliverables that want to be produced in the world. How, who, who could I get to produce those deliverables? And how do I do that as quickly and efficiently as possible? That's how I think about it.
No, I think that that makes that that makes sense. Now, how do you how do you and it kind of follows up with what you said, but how do you identify what are your zones of genius? In other words, you know, sometimes because there's sometimes a, a, a tension or competing interest. One is things that I'm good at versus things that I enjoy. And sometimes they're the same yeah. and hopefully they are for a lot of people, but also sometimes you're saying, Hey, I'm really good at this, but I, I really dread it. And I don't really like doing it. And over here, I'm not probably as good at this, but I really enjoy it. And it's fun. And it's that. So how do you balance when you're saying zone of genius is that you're passionate about it and you may not be as good or talented as other people, or is it more of, Hey, this is what I'm really good at. Yeah. So for one thing, I want to say this language zone of genius, this comes from a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I think it's so valuable. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's such an amazing book. But the the idea here is that there are activities. So Gay would call those activities that where you're good at them, but you don't love them. That That's your zone of excellence. That's the things where people are coming to you and they're saying, hey, will you do this thing for us? Because you're so effective at it. Right. And then there's your zone of genius where it's not only are you effective at it, but you're it's alive in you. You're really, you really enjoy it. And so if you're, if you're finding that there are things that you're enjoying, but you're not that effective at yet, there's something probably that wants to be explored there, maybe with a coach, maybe with some journaling, maybe with reading some books and figuring out, but either we haven't yet figured out how to apply that thing that we love. Cause chances are, if you love something, you've been doing it in some way your whole life. So there probably is a skill that you have that you just maybe haven't figured out how to use it yet in your business. And that's where I would get really curious about is what is that thing? And then the other side of that is maybe like, what's the thing that you love it so much that you're willing to continue your path of mastery on it over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Like I started out as an effective listener and talker, right? Those are like Mm -hmm. core components of coaching. And I love reading and figuring it out. How do I get myself to be a better coach all the time? Right. And that is the kind of the path of mastery. I can get better and better in my zone of genius. That, does that answer the question? Can I like help think yeah. through it? No, yeah, right. it makes makes good or makes good sense. So yeah. Well, now as as we're starting to get towards the end of the podcast, we still had uh, one additional air that I, we or would love to chat on for a few minutes, which is you know I think one of the things you also get into as an entrepreneur is you can get overwhelmed with a lot of different emotions, and it can be everything from you get depressed because everything's not going well. You get overwhelmed because there's so many things to do. You get lonely because nobody else really knows what it's like to be an entrepreneur, go through the journey. Um, you know, sometimes if you're, uh, you know, you're married or you have kids and you're trying to balance competing interests of, Hey, I did you know, it takes a lot of work to get a startup up and going, but I also don't want my family to suffer and never see him again. And so you have all right. these emotions that you're trying to deal with that if you're working for a normal job, you really honestly, most of the time you don't have, you go out and work a nine to five and you go into the office, they give you the task, you get them done clock rolls around you get them you know you could clock out of the office you're good to go sometimes you might have to spend a little bit of overtime but that's really about it you don't have to encounter that so if you're talking to you know if you're looking at someone that's a newer person that's just getting going on their entrepreneurial journey maybe doing a startup or small business how do you start to navigate all those emotions Ooh, uh, so this answer is really really complicated um so i can i can kind of get us started on it but probably not really dive into it i would say it's very particular on a case-by-case basis, there are some stories that you're telling in your mind, some things that you're believing about the world that are probably contributing to those feelings that you're having. You're, you're, you're thinking some thoughts and then you're having some feelings. So taking some time to understand, again, in the presence of a coach, journaling, there's all kinds of courses out there that you could find to help you navigate the mindset stuff, but understanding what thoughts you're thinking that are creating these emotions in your reality. And just really clearly getting like super clear on if I'm, if, if you don't want to be feeling these things, 
then we are going to have to figure out another kind of thinking that we can do around it. Mm. And those thoughts are available to us. And if you can't come up with them, there are people out there who can help you come up with them. So to be a little bit creative with your thinking process, how you're thinking about things. Um, but then the like the overwhelm stuff and the, the keeping things in balance with your family, I think there's a real question of prioritization and understanding for me, I think this all comes down to core values, understanding what is really most important to you in your life. And how can we have a life that is always living in our core values in some way or another and, and aligning your life. And again, it's not like a light switch. It's not, you just understand this and then you go and you do it. I think it's, it's a, it's a process of coming to into deeper and deeper relationship with what drives you, what your core motivators are in you, and then lining up more and more of your tasks with those core motivators until ultimately life feels easy. And I do believe that life can feel easy. I, I, you know, I don't think there has to be this feeling of like pressure and pain and suffering and all that stuff. And if you're going to get there, it's going to take some effort, some work, some, you know, some practice, if you will. No, I think that that's uh, definitely a uh, great takeaways. And I, I think that's a long conversation in and of itself. But I do think, you know, that's a lot of times and where I think that whether it's a business coach, a mentor, sometimes a spouse, a friend or someone, a lot of times, if nothing else, and I always or I always joke with my wife because, you know, a lot of things I really can't go and complain. <laughs> I can't go and complain to employees about. I can't really complain to clients about. So who do I have left? Well, I really just have about my wife or my spouse that's pretty much it. And so with that, you know, I always joke with her that she, I, even if, even if she doesn't understand what I'm complaining about or why I'm complaining, <laughs> it's just nice to have that sounding board to where I can at least go and bend for a little bit, express my frustration, express my concern, let her know kind of my worries and concerns. So I think finding that person, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a mentor or a coach or that can oftentimes yeah. help you through a lot of those emotions that, you're everybody's going to encounter and you're not you're you're not weird or abnormal for encountering those yeah exactly you're not weird or abnormal and i will say one thing one of the benefits of a coach as opposed to like a mentor a mentor can help to show you the path a coach though is not going to get in the pool with you and and buy into whatever the thing the the quote-unquote cause of suffering that you're going through is and hold some space that maybe you can find a way out of it that that'll be easier, more resourceful, like less stressful, less less emotionally painful for you. So I think that's a useful thing to have in your reality. As soon, I think it's one of the earliest hires that you know that a, a successful business can do to really accelerate the process of. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm biased, <laughs> you know what I mean. But that was like it was the first hire that I had in my business as well. Was just someone to come and poke holes in how I was thinking about things. I think it's really useful. No, I definitely agree. And I think that it's it can be helpful. Now, sometimes you just have to get doubt because you don't have the ability. You know, so you start out doing it with a spouse. You do it with a friend. You do it with whatever. And then as you have the ability to go hire a coach or otherwise someone that can, um, you know, assist or otherwise or speak kind of that truth into your life, so to speak, is a definitely worthwhile. And, and even if it's just, a, you know, periodically or as you encounter it, it's a, certainly a great assistance on your journey. So, yeah, totally. Well, as we now wrap up the episode, um, first of all, there are lots of things we could keep talking on and or we'll have to have you back maybe on one of the sister podcasts and, and continue on the discussion. But at least for today, as we wrap up the episode and if, uh, if people want to, um, before we get to how people reach out to you, I always have one question that I like to ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to that now, which is if you were to go back to the early days of your business when it just was starting out, what would be the one decision you'd make differently? Um. Oh man. Well, early days of this business or early days of my first business? Cause I this think that, business. okay. Um, early days of this business that I would 
do differently. Um, I, I, I think that I would have started getting out and talking to people more. Like I would have made a project earlier because I figured out how to do this like maybe six to eight months in my business. Mm. But if I had made a project of going out and talking to people that I thought would be the best fit clients for me and asking them questions, asking them about what challenges they're experiencing and then going and debriefing with myself afterwards and saying, cool, do I still think that that would be the best person fit client for me? Or did I learn something from this? And having that process, if I had done that earlier, I think I would have gotten started even faster in my uh, results for my business. So that would be the thing. Go talk to people, man. Go ask them awesome. questions. <laughs> well, that's uh, definitely a great answer and a great uh, decision that you could have made earlier on. And it's always one we learn or we learn in retrospect. So Perfect. Well, with that, um, as we wrap up the episode, um, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any <laughs> or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Totally. So uh, first thing I would say is uh, our podcast, we've got also a podcast called um, the Shift to Freedom podcast. And so if you want to hear, learn more about these mindset stuff, it's just like my business is busy. So I, I can't coach everyone who comes to me, but uh, that is a way that I, I created so that we can coach. And so it's a, a couple collaborators and I uh, just have these like deep philosophical conversations, sometimes very practical conversations about business, about freedom, about what it looks like to be a free person in the world. So I would highly recommend you check that out. Um, and then if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out on Instagram. We have uh, at lucid underscore shift underscore coaching on Instagram, or you can reach out through our website, which is lucidshiftcoaching.com. And, uh, and you can find me on any of those places. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to connect up with you, uh, find out uh, more about you, listen to your podcast, and if nothing else, uh, have a new best friend. So <laughs> right perfect. Well, with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you the listeners that are out there, if you can help us to share these uh, journeys along the way so that we can um, reach more uh, startups and small businesses, help them along their journey and make sure that they're successful, just go click share, subscribe, and leave us a review because it helps us to make sure we can uh, share this expertise with as many businesses as we can. And with that, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Ben, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin.